Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast, The Endurance of Labor Laws. I'm your lovely host, Leslie Sullivan. And today is episode 282, and we're going to take a brief look at what is called the Commodity Exchange Act. So, this is the Commodity Exchange Act of 1936. The long title is An Act to Amend the Grain Futures Act to Prevent and Remove Obstructions and Burdens upon the Interstate Commerce in Grains and Other Commodities by Regulating Transactions Therein. on commodity futures exchanges to limit or abolish short selling to curb manipulation and for other purposes and this was enacted by the 74th United States Congress it took effect June 15th 1936 and it is under the umbrella in terms of a type of legislation that affects agriculture but also interstate commerce so that's important there Let's see here it was signed into law by President Franklin D Roosevelt on June 15th 1936. Some major amendments uh, number 1 is the Dodd-Frank Wall Street Reform and Consumer Protection Act and then the Economic Growth Regulatory Relief and Consumer Protection Act both very important. So in terms of the history behind this one just briefly it is the Commodity Exchange Act which was enacted June 15th 1936 is a federal act enacted in 1936 by the United States government with some of its provisions amending the Grain Futures Act of 1922 so this goes back to 1922 the act provides federal regulation of all commodities and futures trading activities and requires all futures and commodities options to be traded on organized exchanges in 1974 the commodity futures trading commission also known as CFTC was created as a result of the Commodity Exchange Act and in 1982 the National Futures Association also known as NFA was created by CFTC so this was to help um in terms of agriculture and commodities and interstate commerce so some of this might sound familiar in terms of interstate commerce because we have discussed different laws that uh, affected interstate commerce because initially almost all interstate commerce uh, was regulated in terms of taxation and rules laws and regulations by the Department of the Treasury then that split and went from the Department of the Treasury to the IRS and then there's other umbrellas that that has expanded to and so what you need to remember is that this act goes back to 1936 so Maybe later on we will take a look at what was going on in each individual year but remember this is uh 5 years before um we technically well technically 6 years before we got involved in World War II because we were attacked in uh December 1941 in terms of Pearl Harbor and then we actually got 100% involved in the war um come January 1942 like it was a pretty quick turnaround uh cuz the uh the Japanese their air force their kamikaze whatever you want to call them their their suicide bombers um they um very much attacked Pearl Harbor which is in Hawaii that happened in December of 1941 and then we got involved in World War II so this is in the middle of the 1930s so you you've had the the swinging 20s the roaring 20s and then we've had some stock market crashes and things are i would say somewhat getting back to normal but also you need to remember that Oklahoma's 
um agriculture very much suffered during this time cuz Oklahoma got hit pretty hard in multiple ways during this time frame prior to World War II um so there was the stock market crash we also had a lot of farmers that lost their land um due to being cheated out of it by people from the northeastern part of the United States we call them carpetbaggers and that term is not new that goes back to the civil war times so again not a new term we will discuss that later in time but then we also had the dust bowl here in Oklahoma and so there were many things going on agriculturally at this time prior to 1936 which you need to remember is that there was prohibition so basically a banning of alcohol although that's kind of a joke because people need their liquor <laughs> you know they just do whether you're drinking it or you're cooking with it you know, like bourbon glazed salmon um during prohibition it would have been very difficult to get bourbon to have a bourbon glazed salmon so i'm not saying everybody ate salmon but just think about whenever you you prohibit something like alcohol it it it's a product it's a good and unfortunately there are some people that are so obsessed with christianity and with vices that they i think they overstep their reach and they make something illegal that should not be illegal like prostitution that definitely should be illegal because you're you're buying and selling human beings specifically little children and women um it's not the same as like a product because human life is human life it's created by god a a product is just a product so you know prior to 1936 and actually Oklahoma was dry for a long time in terms of uh prohibition and alcohol and things of that nature but um you have a lot of interstate commerce taking place with alcohol grain any kind of products or goods and so there were many things going on in terms of interstate commerce and so there were many reasons why the federal government got involved and the reason why they got involved it wasn't always because of progressivism or liberalism or anything like that although that that probably did have something to do with it but it's not like as bad as it is now But one of the reasons why the federal government got involved in these kinds of things and got involved in commodities was that there was really no consistency. So this is like pre um you know CDC, FDA before they became really big and um handled outbreaks and things like that. So just FYI, prior to the CDC and the FDA kind of being around and being a full force if ever there was a, a epidemic like for example there were two flu epidemics actually there's been about three or four that have hit the United States over the years but I'm talking like widespread across the United States like way worse than COVID-19 a lot of people think that COVID-19 is the worst epidemic that has ever hit the United States that's not true at all we had a very horrible flu epidemic that hit in 1918 and it wiped out entire families COVID-19 did not wipe out entire families. I understand that COVID-19 was really bad and I've actually contracted COVID-19 and survived it and that was it was brutal to go through that. Um but I'm very grateful and thankful to be alive. But COVID-19 did not wipe out as many people as the flu epidemics that we've had here in the United States. So there are many things that are going on within the United States during this time frame. in the 1930s. You also have to think about what is going on overseas. So during this time frame in the 1930s, especially in uh, Europe, specifically in Germany, 
you have the third reich that is growing especially the nazi party you have adolf hitler that is coming to power um he gets elected and then he takes over the the chancellery um he didn't really come into office in a legal ethical way he was very much a bully so he was already getting together his gestapo officers his ss troops but they were infiltrating they're infiltrating the government of germany and um trying to get in government posts there so that way they could nationalize and institutionalize fascism so the united states we you know we've always been on an international market but during this time the united states in the 1930s um the government was aware of fascism that was growing and they were aware of adolf hitler that was causing some problems over there in europe but i kind of feel like the united states stuck its head in the sand and for too long hence millions of jews died and were brutally murdered um but there were many things where the writing was on the wall and one ways that you can see the writing on the wall is with commodities so that's one way that you can kind of gauge what's going on within any given society you can take a look at their commodities uh their foreign exchanges their currencies and their policies during that time frame and i truly believe that if the united states had been um more diligent in terms of being on the international stage during this time in the 1930s i truly believe world war 2 could have totally been uh completely prevented um but unfortunately um we had some people in charge that i don't think practiced um due diligence or caution and they were very much practicing isolationism which in regards to running a government or a country whenever a country practices isolationism what that means is that the powers that be within your government are very much aware of what is going on outside but they're like well we're not going to get involved with it because it doesn't involve our country specifically but yet they are aware of a very much growing and intense violence and a very radical government that is growing stronger and dangerously stronger overseas and that's what is happening here in the 1930s the united states government is very much aware of what is going on with nazi germany and how things are changing but they're like well it's just those people over there that are affected it's not really us so we practice isolationism even though we have a global economy we did even back then we've had a global economy even before we became a country so this goes back to prior to 1776 so being on the international stage is nothing new to the united states because even the colonists were conducting business internationally so they would have known what was going on overseas with the monarchy and things like that during that era for the colonists so my point is this if you really want to understand a country and you want to understand a time frame you need to take a look at their commodities and basically their their gdp and their their taxation laws and, and any of these exchange rates and these currency rates because that tells you a lot about the stability of that country whatever country may be whether it's united states germany austria the ukraine russia whatever the case may be or even china um if you examine these things from a not an economic point of view but from a financial stability point of view in my opinion so many of these things are easy to predict because money matters money very much matters because you see it 
you see the importance of money in a country's economy and their currency. So if there are things that are happening at a, on an international stage that can affect their commodities, their economy, their currency or their just their financial banking structure, that's where you can see the telltale signs. It's almost like um you know like for example before the stock market crash or the big crash and you know going back before uh, World War II it was very obvious looking back of course i would think it would have been obvious at the time but to me it was very obvious that the stock market was going to crash however even though to me it would have been very obvious we didn't have a lot of rules laws and regulations on the books in regards to wall street and so again i'm not for overregulation because wall street is already overregulated which i'm not a fan of that um but there's so many things that were not in place in terms of safeguards and provisions prior to the stock market crash that occurred before world war 2 so being that we did not have these safety measures in place or these provisions in place to help protect our economy and our country that's why when the stock market crashed when it did it was really bad and it affected so many people across the board so there's a reason why there are acts like this that it truly is a commodity exchange act that's taking place in 1936 because they're they're reading the writing on the wall from the past what's going on at that time in 1936 and in the future i guarantee you there were some people in the congress that were saying hey there's probably a war brewing right now in europe and we've got to take care of the economy and our commodities here in the United States first because if we don't take care of us you know we can't fight off other people like we can't fight for other people you know it's it's kind of like how with the civil war i mean basically the south was doomed to fail because they did not have industry they did not have the industrial revolution they they did not have uh, manufacturing plants so you have the north which was republican you have the south that was democrat and this is back during the 1860s right the north was predominantly republican and they had um the industrial uh, industrial revolution and they made like cannons and uh weaponry and all those things the south did not have access to as much so if you don't have access to as much then you are already limiting your your gdp your gross domestic product so if your gross domestic product is already limited then how on earth can you possibly conduct business internationally it matters quite a bit and it affects things in so many ways so probably what we'll do is we will take a look at the grain futures act of 1922 because i think this will make more sense and i think it's one of those things that You know, sometimes we we hear these big words and we're kind of like, well, what what does that correlate to? How does this affect my life today? I mean, there might be some people listening that think, well, what does something from 1922 have to do with today? Quite a bit. Because if you think about all of our rules, laws and regulations go back one way or another to the beginning and the founding of our country. So just because something has a different name or a different title or or it, it goes back 10 20 30 40 50 60 70 something years whatever the case may be it may be even further back on some of these things just because the year is old does not mean that the act 
or the rules or the laws or the or the regulations are not relevant to today. If anything, the way that these things are written, they are written in such a way that they help and protect the future of the United States. That's why these things are so important. So if they protect the United States here and now and in the future, then that is really good for workers like you and I. So things like this help to protect workers' rights. And again, workers' rights are an extension of the United States or the Congress of the United States and it's only for citizens of the United States. Again, if you're not a citizen of the United States, then none of this applies to you. That's not meant to be a slap in your face. It's not meant to be an insult because it's not. It's just, you know, basically the laws of the land. It would be like if I illegally immigrated to Mexico. There's no way that those laws that are meant to protect legal citizens of Mexico, none of those laws would protect me as a um illegal alien or a unlawful immigrant just you know pitching a tent in Mexico. So th- there are rules, laws and regulations for a reason. It is to protect and preserve your country and also to protect and preserve your economy. And a lot of people don't think about interstate commerce or grain or these things that are that are in regards to agriculture or forestry or things like this. These things they may not be popular to talk about excuse me they may not be popular to talk about but they are very much relevant in regards to the United States and how our economy works because just think about what if we had absolutely no grain what if we had absolutely no farmers i mean just think about that what if we we had none of this well farming is a pretty big commodity here in the United States and so is grain just think about all the i would say um the livestock and the different animals that farmers raise and what do they feed them most of the time they are feeding them a type of grain or a type of feed that is specific for that animal if not that breed like for example i know this from uh working at a at a vet's clinic back when i was a teeny bopper during one summer i did not know that based on what you feed a cow determines the marbling of the fat in the meat that you get when you slaughter that cow. So if you want a steak that's really beautifully marbled with fat, then you feed a cow more corn-based grain because it it has a way of of marbling or creating that marbling effect in the meat. But if you want a leaner cow and you want extremely lean meat, then you're then you're going to stay away from corn type of grain. So these things matter. So it's not just oh that's just for farmers that's just for hicks you know that's just for uh people that eat wheat thins all the time or something no these things affect everything and the grain industry and the farming industry affects so many things here in the United States cuz there's so many things that it's not worth it to import if anything we are exporting quite a bit i i think that's a good thing to do but i just hope that we're not um I hope that we're not overselling to export when there's some things that we need here more importantly here in the United States for our people and for our livestock as opposed to other countries like we've got to take care of our own first and I think unfortunately we have not been taking care of our own first and I think a, a very good example of this um is our homeless people and our veterans um especially when they are homeless I think that we could definitely do a, a far better job of taking care of our own first 
before we start sending millions if not billions of dollars overseas excuse me to countries that we don't even really know what they're doing with our money because we're not holding them accountable to basically a financial litmus test basically we don't really know what's going on financially with some of these people that we're doing business with especially in a in a government um i would say in a try to think of the best to describe this i guess in a governmental kind of manner that's probably not the right word but i'm saying that whenever we do business with another government entity uh basically with another country sometimes it's very difficult to know if what that other country you know what they're saying is true this is why we typically um why we do more business with allies because allies are more likely to be honest with you as opposed to nations that are not necessarily an ally but they're not necessarily an enemy obviously we don't want we do not want to be doing business with our enemies i don't think that's a good idea because i think that whenever you do business with an enemy you are enabling your enemy and when you enable your enemy you're asking for trouble so i draw a very thick line on that and a very definitive line and um i don't change it so um there are so many things that matter in regards to commodities uh interstate commerce and these laws because again it's not just about farming there's so many things that that go i would say that go into financial markets and financial markets it's not just the banking sector it's not just the financial sector i mean i mean for example and i'll close with this um just think about all the farmers out there and in these and they're not big tech companies but they're like big seed companies and that's s e e d seed um some of them are good companies some of them are not some of them act like uh, they invented a seed because they they changed the dna in a lab and you know I kid you not like one time I went to the grocery store and I bought some apples I was eating one of them I couldn't even tell I was eating an apple it was so gross I threw them out I was like I can't even bake with these much less eat them raw so you know there's so many companies out there that they they bully farmers um that don't have millions or billions of dollars because they want their land, they want their feed, they want their seed and they want their livestock. And the way that they get away with bullying farmers is they say, "Well, you're you're feeding your livestock um something that we patented. So you you can't grow this, you can't feed it. You you're not allowed to do that." that makes absolutely no sense because dna um replicates and changes naturally out, out in nature like for example the type of corn you know this is random but the type of corn that we typically grow today is nothing like the corn that was grown over 1000 years ago it just isn't is it within the same family yes why because it's corn but the these things mutate and there and there's hybrids and that's just how things naturally occur in nature. I mean it's just like with viruses or with bacteria. You know, take for example hepatitis, uh just that whole family. You have, you have hepatitis A, B, C, and D. There's probably a E, F, and G out there in nature. We just haven't identified it yet, but it it's within the same family. Because they have the same um pathology basically. So it's within the same family of diseases, but it it mutates. It's the same thing in in nature with fruits and vegetables and things like that or even just I don't like to use the word evolution per se but probably that's what it is in regards to animals like we don't have the saber-toothed tiger anymore 
But I mean, like, you can have a pet cat as long as it's not like a wild panther or something that belongs at a zoo. But there are things that just naturally change anyway. And so being that we know that things things change naturally anyway, and now things are changing rapidly because of science and because of DNA alteration, sometimes for the good, sometimes not for the good, this Commodity Exchange Act that goes back to 1936 and then also technically goes back to the Grain Futures Act of 1922, it holds people accountable to the same litmus test of integrity and honesty because just think about all these corrupt countries not well corrupt countries and companies that they're claiming that you know a, a certain seed belongs to them and only them that's insane that's insane that they are not god but yet there are some companies and countries specifically uh, companies they totally manipulate patent laws so that they can try and create a monopoly. Well, here in the United States, monopolies are supposed to be illegal, but they're not always called out upon because sometimes our laws have not kept up with the with the times and other times um I think our government doesn't want to go after people um that can make a lot of money or they don't understand um uh, what law they how to say this, what law they are breaking and also what laws they are skirting, meaning Someone may not be breaking a law, but they may be skirting the truth. And so if someone's skirting the truth, that means that they are breaking the law and typically retroactively. So there's some things that, you know, you may just see, you know, a, a commodity act and you may think, "Oh, well that just deals with grain. You know, that that just deals with feed. What does that have to do with me?" Everything. I mean, ju- just think about how um Sometimes you don't know what all is in your food unless you actually look at the ingredients list. And then think about all the people that did work to get that product um into the market and to get it to be packaged and things like that. All these things matter, especially if it is interstate commerce. And so if ever there's something crossing state lines, that is interstate commerce or intercommerce because you're crossing state lines. And so whenever you're dealing with crossing state lines, you're dealing not only with state laws but federal law and then uh, state regulations and then federal regulations. That's just kind of how it goes. So sometimes these rules, laws, regulations and some of these acts, they go back decades, if not 100 years, but it's important that we have them because there must have been something going on during that time. if not prior to like 1936 and prior to 1922 there was probably some things going on that the the federal government and just regular citizens that work in the industry were saying hey something's not right about this we need to regulate this and as you know i am a republican capitalist i'm not for overregulating but i am for protecting our country and the american people because that protects the citizens of the united states and if you protect the citizens of the united states then you by natural law or effect of that you protect their labor and you protect their workers rights which again workers rights for citizens of the united states are a extension of the constitution of the united states so this is why we look at these things so that way people know and understand myself included how and why we are protected because i think a lot of people miss the point of interstate or intercommerce laws because i i kind of feel like sometimes people that they just live in one area you know throughout their lifetime and they they kind of suffer from what i call bubble syndrome like like they never really understand 
what it means to live in California as opposed to Texas or 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 New York and they don't visit those places and therefore they don't really understand the people, the labor or the laws or or the tax laws especially in regards to real estate and and labor laws. So those kinds of things sometimes they are independent and stand on their own. Other times they overlap and they intersect. And the reason why they overlap and intersect is because you're you're dealing with you know a a economy and a government of a country. And so I'm not a fan of this phrase, but you know like we're we're in it together kind of thing. Well, that's what it means to be in community. And I don't mean that as a socialist because I'm not a socialist because you do have individual rights. At the same time, you know, we're not a collective, but we are a people. We are a people. And so if you value your country, then just by valuing your country then you should value your rights and so it's acts and laws like this that protect you in a way that you may not realize because you know I don't know a whole lot of people that are involved in commodities directly or grain or livestock or any of this but these things directly impact the cost of goods at stores it also directly impacts how much people get paid like truckers and unions and things like that or people in unions I should say So it's important to realize these things because they they impact our I would say our livelihood, our labor and our workers' rights. And again, that has nothing to do with a union because unions should not and should never be writing our laws because not everybody is in a union. That's I would think that would be obvious that some people just don't understand the differences between those and usually it comes down to who's democrat and who's republican and sometimes that's just how it is. and it used to not be that way and again i totally miss my just normal democrats like my blue blood democrats that they're just plain jane normal moderate democrats like they're not crazy liberal they're not crazy progressive they're they're just your regular average everyday moderate democrats like they're not crazy and psycho uh kind of like how some of them are today um but anyway um i will go ahead and end it there for this lovely podcast But as usual, until next time, I pray that you're happy, healthy, and whole. That you have a wonderful day and a wonderful week. Thank you so much. God bless and bye bye.
Still home.